we're going to look into the Word of God together and think about what Emmanuel, or rather who Emmanuel really is. Emmanuel, who came into the world, Jesus, he was first prophesied in, well, way back in the Old Testament, but the term Emmanuel is used in chapter 7 of Isaiah. Chapter 7 of Isaiah and verse 14. You don't need to necessarily turn to all these references, but you can, if you wish. It's page 845 in the Bibles that we have here. Um, So Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, it says, Therefore will the Lord himself give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and shall bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel. Now it's incredible to think that this prophecy was given hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus Christ was the most significant birth in history because he came as the Son of God to to dwell, to live among men. There's another reference also in the very next chapter of Isaiah, chapter 8, where it refers to, O Emmanuel, it says in verse 8, he shall pass through Judah, he shall overflow it and go further, he shall reach even to the neck, and stretching out of his wings shall fill the breadth of thy land, O Emmanuel. And so this is a prophecy concerning the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came into the world as a tiny baby, and yet is coming again. And so there are prophecies concerning Emmanuel, which are yet future, which yet remain to be fulfilled. There were many prophecies fulfilled in the first coming of the Lord Jesus, and there there are many more to be fulfilled when he comes again. I'd like to turn over now to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. And of course we're familiar with the the Christmas story of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 22, and I'm sure we've read these verses many times. It says, Now all this came to pass, that, that that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God with us. Isn't that an incredible thought, that he was given this name Emmanuel? Of course, his name is Jesus, and Jesus means he shall save his people from their sins. And yet this unique name, Emmanuel, speaks to us of his presence, God's presence among us. God tabernacled among men and women. He tabernacled in this, because the word tabernacle we, we find in the Old Testament where under the Old Testament law they had a place where, where God presenced himself among his people. 
And this was called the tabernacle. The, the dwelling, it's like a tent really. The dwelling place. It, it was in the wilderness as, as the people of Israel came out of Egypt and they were for 40 years in the wilderness. They, they had this tabernacle where God presenced himself and the high priest would go in to, to the holiest place within the tabernacle and would, and, and there were animal sacrifices. And these sacrifices where the blood of animals was shed was intended as a covering for sin. But they could never take away sin and that's why Jesus had to come. That's why we needed Emmanuel. Jesus was born to die. And when he came as Emmanuel to live among us, it was in order to die. It, it was that he was going to die for our sin. Because we needed a means of salvation. We needed a means of redemption if we were going to escape the judgment of God that we all deserve. And so, Emmanuel speaks to us of the God who is with us. We were reading in our Breaking of Bread service this morning from Philippians chapter 2, and there we see what Jesus himself did as he, as he left the glory of heaven. I'm going to turn briefly to Philippians chapter 2. If you want to turn to it, it's page 1418 in our Bibles here. And in verse in verse 5 it says, For let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus came as, as God, or we could say the God-man. He was subsisting in the form of God. Well, it says, who is subsisting in the form of God, did not esteem it an object of the pine, not something to be frowned upon, not something to be despised, to be on an equality with God. Because Jesus could say, and he said elsewhere, I and the Father are one. He goes on to say, but emptied himself. Taking a bondman's form, that's like a slave, isn't it? Taking his place in the likeness of men. Because Jesus took upon himself human flesh. He was, Jesus is God. He was there with the Father from all eternity past. And yet, he took on human flesh. In doing so, he humbled himself. He humbled himself, but as we were reminded this morning, it went much further than that. When we see Jesus, the baby Jesus, in the stable at Bethlehem, that was just the beginning. That was his incarnation. That was itself a humiliation for the man who is God, that he should so humble himself, that he should take upon himself human flesh, that he should live among men and women who are tainted with sin, whose lives are contaminated by sin. Whereas Jesus was pure and holy, absolutely without sin. 
But more than this, he humbled himself, and, it, and then it says, becoming obedient even unto death, and that the death of the cross. We cannot think of the nativity of Christ, many people do, but we cannot as believers think of the nativity of Christ without thinking of the cross. Mm-hmm. Because the cross was the reason he came, as Jesus himself said, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And, and his coming into the world meant he had to be obedient, obedient to the Father, even unto death. He had to go to the very lowest place, born in a stable, rejected, despised of men. It says in John's Gospel, chapter 1, but, and I'll just read this, verses 11 and 12. So this is page 1265. It says, He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to be children of God. It goes on to say, To those that believe on his name, who have been born not of blood, nor flesh's will, nor of man's will, but of God. Do you believe on his name tonight, on, on this Christmas day? Do you believe on the name of Jesus? Have you been born again of the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus came into the world in order to deliver, to save you and me mm-hmm. from eternal destruction. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That means that we all deserve death and hell. We all deserve judgment. We deserve condemnation. But Jesus came, as it were, to stand in the gap. He came to die. So Jesus, born in that baby, born as a baby in Bethlehem, where there was no room in the inn, He was born in a stable where where the the animals lived and fed because the the inn was overcrowded. There was a census for the people at that time. The inn was overcrowded. Can you imagine um, the situation in which he was born? The, The Son of God. We would have expected, wouldn't we, that he would be born in a palace. We would think that the one who is to be king of kings and lord of lords, will be born at least in a mansion or in a a, a royal abode. But no, he was born in the stable at Bethlehem. Virtually unknown, unseen of men. And yet God raised up those who would acknowledge his coming into the world. God raised up, for example, we can read about the shepherds in the field and there were the, the angels, the, the choir of the angels singing. That must have been a, a wonderful sight. And even there, God revealed this wonderful truth to, to the shepherds, the poor, humble shepherds. So he was born in a stable 
And there was also Hannah and Simeon, who had been praying and waiting for the birth of this child, the birth of Messiah, the birth of the Anointed One. But when Jesus came, as we see in John's Gospel, he was despised, he was rejected. In fact, in Isaiah 53, we read about how Jesus was despised and rejected of men, how it says he was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. It says we hid, as it were, our faces from him. This, friends, is the Son of God, the one who so loved us, and yet he came to his own people. His own people were the people of Israel. Because according to the human line, he was descended through, through the line of, uh, of Judah, a, a tribe of Israel. Judah was a son of Israel, of Jacob. And Jesus was born through that line. And, and the, ascent, the descendancy, the lineage can be traced and is, is, is um, listed in the Gospels. And that's humanly speaking. And yet, he was also the Son of God. He referred to himself as the Son of Man, and yet also as the Son of God. Well, God's purpose through Jesus is that this one, this Emmanuel, who came to live with us, that we should know him, that he should not just be someone that we're aware of, who lived 2,000 years ago, who did many great and wonderful things, who healed the sick and raised the dead, made the blind to see, made the deaf to hear, and, and so on. Wonderful miracles, but he came for those who were lost, and he came that he might dwell with us, and that we might live with God forever. There's a couple of passages, one in Matthew 23, um, where we find how Jesus was weeping really over Jerusalem. In, in Matthew 23, that's page 1180, in verse 37, Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those that are sent unto her, how often would I have gathered thy children as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall in no wise see me henceforth until ye say, blessed be he that comes in the name of the Lord. What was Jesus saying? He was, he, he had <coughs> come for his own people, the people of Israel, and he wept over them. In Luke 19, we don't need to turn to it, but in Luke 19, verse 41, it speaks of Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. That's He was full of compassion for his own people, and yet they rejected him. By and large, they rejected him. Their hearts were hardened. They were stubborn. You know, sometimes as believers we wonder why the world at large is, is, seems to be so 
blind and so indifferent and so unwilling to hear this wonderful message because this message is good news. This message can set the captives free. And we invite neighbours and friends, people we know, to meetings like this. And yet, by and large, they don't want to know. And their hearts are hard and stubborn. But that applies to us as well. Our hearts were hard and stubborn. And it may be true for someone here tonight. It may be true for someone listening to the message, whether on Zoom or online recording. Maybe your heart is stubborn. Maybe you think that you don't need Jesus Christ. But friends, he can save you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's John 3.16. Mm-hmm. That's the gospel. That's why Jesus came. He came that he might have a dwelling place among men. Jesus went to that cruel cross. He died on that cross so that we could be forgiven. So that we could have everlasting life. He rose again triumphantly from the dead. He ascended into heaven to the Father's right hand. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints, it tells us in the Bible. That means he's praying for us. He's interceding for us who love him and belong to him. But he also has a purpose to bring a great number to glory. And there are other scriptures that talk about God dwelling with us. For example, Jesus taught us to abide in him. He said in John 15, abide in me. And he promised that he would abide in us. When we abide in him, he will abide in us. When we open that door, as we read of in Revelation, where Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Will we open the door of our hearts to Jesus this Christmas? Wouldn't it be wonderful if at this Christmas time, that this was the time that you trusted the Lord Jesus as your own saviour, mm-hmm. that you asked him to come into your heart and into your life. You became a new creation and you could go home from here tonight knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you have everlasting life. That's the gospel, friends. That's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful message. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it speaks of the fact that Christ is in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's the hope that we have as believers, the hope of his coming again, uh, but the certainty of his presence with us, the Holy Spirit, he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, so that when we become a new creation, when we are born again of the Holy Spirit, we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, and he is able to do wonderful things in our lives. He transforms us when we're, when we're born again and when we walk with him day by day. The scripture says that we are to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then when we walk in the spirit and when we're led by the spirit, our, our lives will bear fruit, the fruits of the spirit of righteousness. May the Lord bless this word to each one of us tonight. And I trust that everyone 
hearing this message will be one who will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and know him as your Saviour and Lord. Amen. Amen.